0: We all rush around in our busy lives, head down, maybe just trying to avoid the reality of winter. But what if you looked up, said hi, notice what is going on, and talk to people about what they're doing? There's more going on than you might think. I'm Jessica Briand, and this is The Signal Podcast, storytelling from the audio workshop at the University of King's College School of Journalism. And this is our first podcast of the term, and the year. This week, Halifax noticed. We sent our reporters out with their heads up and their eyes opened and challenged them to find and tell us something interesting. What are people up to in Halifax in January? First off, let's meet few hardcore Haligonians who say winter schminter. If you're looking to get active at sub-zero temperatures, running may not be the first sport that comes to mind, but Joe Laz has been running outdoors this winter. Nabal Sanan asked him why he's doing it. She also talked to Bruce Bowen, who works at the running room in Halifax, and he has some tips to make your winter run as easily as possible.
1: Well, usually that's not something that I would do um, every winter, but uh, this year I have uh, finally signed up for the uh, Buenos Marathon. The day of the marathon, I'm outside like looking at the runners, and I'm like, next year I'm going to do it, next year I'm going to... I just never did it. And then um, my dad calls from back home and apparently that day he like just signed up for a -a walkathon and completed it. And he was like talking about how heroic he felt and how accomplished he felt. So I was like, I might as well do it now.
2: Start off a little slowly, a little more moderately, don't do any uh, intense type training until middle of March into April uh, when it's going to be, the, the, the road is going to be a little easier to run on uh, and the weather's going to be a bit warmer.
1: Three days after I signed up, I immediately looked at a Geringa refund <laughs> because I started doubting my ability. I was like, oh, this is going to be too much work and I'm not sure I can do this. You actually get
2: used to the running in the cold. You can put a, uh, a thin scarf over your face uh, or find some sort of, you know, there are face masks that are for sale. Your lungs will never freeze. Uh, it's just at the back of the throat. It's a little
1: uncomfortable. I'm still a bit intimidated to be honest, but um, I feel a bit better now that I have started. And you know, like at the end of the day, comes the marathon you can't run it you can at least walk it and like, get the experience and learn for next year.
0: Who's pumped for a run now? If you plan on running in the cold weather make sure to dress warm. Bowen says to wear two or three thin layers. You can also wear Gore-Tex lined running shoes to keep the moisture away from your feet and of course watch out for those icy patches because man what a mess those sidewalks are. Lots of us are slipping and sliding around the city after multiple storms. That's also made dog walking a little, well, rough. I spoke with dog walker Haley McKenzie and HRM spokesperson Erin DiCarlo about the icy conditions in Halifax. Well, I have
2: a dog myself and then I help out a neighbor and walk her dog. And so we go usually twice a day. Um, and so I've noticed this winter that the sidewalks are fairly well maintained but we live in a neighborhood that has a lot of paths and trails through the woods and those aren't maintained nearly as well as the sidewalks so they're really icy and they're not plowed very much so it mm-hmm. makes it kind of hard and it's hard on the dog's paws. I would say, especially like the paved pathways, like those could easily be plowed with the same plow that's plowing the sidewalks, or they could be salted with the same machine that salts the sidewalks. Because if it fits on the sidewalks, it fits on the small paved path. So I think that would be a good thing.
0: So my name's Erin De Carlo and I'm senior communications advisor with Halifax Regional Municipality. The municipality's winter operations program, we use a combination of in-house and con- contracted operators, as well as equipment. And with each weather event, the city is responsible for approximately 3,800 lean kilometres of street, as well as um, around a thousand kilometers of sidewalk, so we do maintain hard surface trails and those trails would be only those that go from street to street trails are prioritized based on usage if you are concerned about a specific area it's possible that um, perhaps even some sanding could be done so um, residents would be encouraged to call 311 and a service uh, ticket would be issued And DeCarlo says, before you call 311, you can check the service timeline on the city's website to check when your street will be cleared. Meanwhile, a good way to avoid flash freezing in your area take note of drains and runoffs and clear them yourself. Or, option number three wear a helmet at all times. Okay, maybe not all times, but it can be freezing outside, and you'll still see cyclists riding through the streets of Halifax. It might seem extreme, but to cyclists, it is accessible. Josh Young talked to Jillian Banfield, cycling is her main form of transportation. He also talked to Scott McPhee who works at CycleSmith and focuses on cycle safety. It started mostly out of necessity I
2: would say, Um, I have a physical disability and uh, So riding most of the year is much better for me than walking, which I pretty much can't do. It turns out, once I started doing it out of necessity, that I really wanted to do it um, because I enjoy it, and it's a very efficient way to get around. I think riding in the winter is much more accessible than people think it is. Like, people often choose to go skiing or snowboarding or skating, and it's really cold outside and they can't imagine cycling when it's the same conditions. So I think if people just kind of get used to the idea of being out on a bicycle, just as they would be doing any other winter activity, then it maybe will shift some mindsets around doing it.
3: There's many more bike lanes in Halifax today than there was 15 years ago. So it's becoming more and more safe. Riding a bike is just like driving a car. It's common sense, really. If you go too fast, you're gonna wipe out. You're not going to have the reaction time.
2: Um, I'd say studded tires is uh, kind of a life-changing thing, really, because um, I used to have such anxiety about not knowing whether the street was safe to ride on based on ice conditions and that sort of thing.
3: And more people out there, improve cycling for everybody.
0: Plus more people out on the streets in winter. More fresh air. But some people head outdoors not for the fresh air, but for a smoke. Halifax new smoking bylaw is making life difficult for some students at the University of King's College. The campus is entirely smoke-free. That means some student smokers have trouble having a butt and then getting their butt to class on time. Our reporter, Slam Shuey, spoke with Alexander Doyle. He's director of facilities at King's, and she talked to a fifth-year student, Emily Roberts, who worries about getting smoked by our prof if she's late.
4: So it's a problem finding an area that's not going to interfere with somebody else. You know, so it's finding a compromise. I think that's, that's the problem. <laughs>
2: When I started, we actually smoked on campus, so moving off campus was a big enough change, but uh, not having any on-campus smoking is really difficult, uh, even for the professors. Like, a lot of us at King's, we're all, we're all art students, we all smoke, so it's, it's also a really big part of our social culture.
4: One of the problems is, is, is where do we put it? because it can't be near an entrance. It has to be uh, so many metres from an entrance and windows or air uh, ventilation systems or whatever else. We had, when everybody used to smoke at the front entrance uh, of the campus here, right on Coburg and, and the entrance behind Alex Hall, beside between the chapel and Elks Hall, uh, we got a lot of complaints there because the smoke was... Actually, from the students, because the smoke was going into Alex Hall or going into the chapel. Yeah. so uh, that's why when the the city set up the smoking receptacle up beside Lord Dalhousie Drive, they said, "Okay, get rid of that receptacle on uh, on Coburg." And if there is an area, it would have to meet the standards. It would have, it would have to basically be in the middle of the quad.
0: And just a note. Doyle says there are no plans for having a smoking area on campus now or in the near future. That was Emily Roberts and Alexander Doyle talking to Salam Shuait. You're listening to The Signal Podcast. I'm Jessica Briand, your first podcast host of 2019. If you like what you hear, you can follow us at SignalHFX on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you think. Now... Let's shift gears and head inside. We're 15 days into a new year, but our reporter, Dylan Coots found some things that won't be updated anytime soon. With the rise of the selfie, cell phone providers have pushed to make their cameras easier to use than ever. But local businesses still stock older camera technology. Nostalgic customers come in all ages. Dylan Coots spoke with Katie Roberts at Urban Outfitters and Brian Sheaves at Atlantic Photo Supply to get their take on disposable and instant cameras. Before you guys leave, can I get you to gather together for a photo? Yeah, yeah gather in tight. I think it's going back to like how the same reason they're like buying records and record players. It's just kind of like a hint or a nod to the past and nostalgia and Disposable cameras are really fun if you bring them out. Like, if you lose it, it's really not a big deal because it's only like $25.
4: Some people just like the physical print and then they like the idea of, they think that the print coming from a film, it has a different look to to what you can get on your phone even even though you can get pretty close to it with like filters and stuff.
0: Especially with like social media, it's a way to be like, oh, got my film developed. And it's very like um, unique from, just taking a picture on your phone.
1: A little bit to the left. Okay. Oh, that's great. Dad on your. Oh, perfect. On your knees, Kate. Okay. It's the same as any
4: film. Like we do most of it in house um, at our Dartmouth lab. A um, couple week turnaround time. You can get it just developed onto a CD, or you can get prints. People just like that old stuff. Away from the digital.
0: Okay, guys. Cheese. cheese. So yes, you can keep your old technology, and maybe digital doesn't always mean better. But then again, what is the harm in trying something new? You've probably tried sushi, but what about a spider roll? Spoiler, it's not as scary as it sounds. Plus, what's in your sushi? Where does it even come from? For our last story today, Emma Wilkie posed the question to sushi lover Matt Kout. Then she went to find out for herself.
1: I'm Matt. I personally prefer salmon and tuna when it comes to sushi.
2: Have you ever had a spider roll?
1: No, what is that exactly? So, my name is
3: Joby Sarasa, G O B Y. I'm working in Hamachi restaurant, Japanese restaurant here in Hanifax. So, like a demo for the sushi, right?
2: What would you guess is in a spider roll?
1: If I had to guess, I'd have to say a spider, like a fried spider, maybe, with rice, but... plus,
3: spider roe, seems like soap
2: It's actually a soft shell crab. Oh, really? It looks like a spider. Oh,
1: okay, that's interesting.
2: Do you know where sushi comes from?
1: If I had to say, I'd say Japan or China.
3: One whole piece of nori and green leaf, too, from Nova Scotia, of course just put salmon on the top. Salmon from New Brunswick, came from Pisserman Market in bedford Highway. Here in Halifax I'm arrived here at September 10, 2010. Then just half of the rice and then, yeah, and then start to cut it. So cut into thin slices. But since before I came here, I worked before in Middle East for seven years in Kuwait. Spicy meal. on nagi sauce. Avocado from Philippines. And the last part with spring onion. So your spider roll is done? Yeah, before Kuwait. Of course, I work in Philippines before I go to Kuwait. So Kuwait to Canada. There you go. Put in the nice plate, of course. <laughs> I'm still working here.
0: Would you eat that?
1: I'd give it a try. Why not? I can imagine that being quite good.
0: The more you know, that was Emma Wilkie helping Matt Cote get over his fear of spider rolls and Chef Jovi Salazar at the Hamachi Restaurant showing off the origins of what ends up on your plate. You're listening to The Signal podcast storytelling from the audio workshop at the university of king's college school of journalism i'm jessica briand that's our show for today if there's anything you want to hear again we'll be posting a link on our social media feeds our handle is signal hfx on twitter and instagram thanks this week to producer emma wilkie associate producer josh young and slam Shuait was our social media editor and as always a shout out to our technician mark Pinio in the control room and our audio professor, Pauline Dakin. We'll be back next week with more stories.